Hey everyone, I'm Caitlin Endo from Students Rising Above, and this is How I Made My Path. This podcast is dedicated to amplifying the voices of diverse working professionals. Every episode, you'll hear exclusive conversations that bridge experiences between students and professionals, offer new insights on career paths, and uncover ways of unlocking your full potential. These professionals made their own paths. You can too. Take it from them. special bonus episode in celebration of Giving Tuesday. Every year on the Tuesday following Thanksgiving, we celebrate and participate in a global generosity movement unleashing the power of people and organizations to transform their communities and the world. For this special Giving Tuesday episode of How I Made My Path, we're joined by SRA rising star, Robert Velasco. Robert is a third year student at Swarthmore College studying computer programming and art. Today, in honor of Giving Tuesday, we discuss the influence of students rising above on Robert's journey and the power and perseverance of first-generation college students. This is how Robert made his path. Welcome to the podcast for this bonus episode. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Do you mind introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So my name is Robert Velasco. Um, you can call me Rob for sure. Um, I am a third year student at Swarthmore College studying computer science and art. Um, I'm originally from the San Francisco Bay Area. And yeah. Great. <laughs> Thank <folks>. you. <laughs> yeah. So I know, you know, everyone has their own unique experience applying to schools for college, but I'm wondering what your experience was like applying to schools. Um, Does any part of that experience really stand out to you? I mean, I think I started off similarly enough to most people. You set up a list of uh, potential candidates that you want to apply to schools and sort of work your way through that list. Either, you know, eliminating some schools just because you can't apply to too many. Mm-hmm. It's just not doable or, you know, eventually making it through the entire list. I think sometimes I was very good about some applications, got them done early, got them done in on time, was really diligent about those. And then others, I had to take some extra time and, and do them later, closer to the deadline. Not so proud of that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it did happen. And I did, um, you know, have support along the way through that. 
Yeah. Are there things that you wish more people, um, whether it be like peers or teachers or admission officers were aware of regarding first generation college students applying to school? Because I know even even for folks with, you know, parents or community members who are supporting them through that process who have gone to college, it's a kind of intimidating process. So is there anything that you wish people had known in reflection of your own experiences? Right. I think, well, in my case, I think given just because my parents have never gone through a, a process like this, um, I'm the first one in my family to go to college. I'll, the entire application process was on me. So entire financial aid process, the entire common app and everything involved in that. I think there's oftentimes portions that parents might complete, um, but all of that, you know, they of course supported me through it and like sat with me, but all of that, filling that out, I completed. Um, so I think, I think it's good for people to know that there's, you know, there's extra challenges at times given uh, a family's background or, or um, experiences that might make it more difficult applying not only finding the time to apply and carving out that time in addition to schoolwork, in addition to family responsibility at home, you know, knowing how to fill that out and um, not having like others who've experienced it before is an extra challenge. I think that a lot of first generation um, students applying to college face. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for sharing that. So you ended up choosing Swarthmore College, which I think is in Pennsylvania, right? Yes, it's right outside <laughs> Philadelphia, the small town of Swarthmore, like 30, 40 minutes by train. Okay, cool. What about that school encouraged you to kind of take the plunge and decide to to attend? Yeah, so I think from the start, I was looking at colleges and I was like, I don't know what to look for. Like, what do I look for? There's mm. one, there was a few things that I had in mind. I said, I, if possible, I really want to study outside of California. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think that sort of a smaller school is best fit for me. And I think the opportunity to sort of explore in the early years of college to figure out what I want to study is important to me. So not having to declare, not having to come in um, right away uh, with the major was kind of um, important to me because, you know, at the time senior year, I still was undecided. So mm-hmm. <laughs> a little difficult there. And I think Swarthmore really fit those basic criteria really well and I got the opportunity to visit and everything went well in that way and other things lined up as well like being close to the city um, having the opportunity to explore and leverage the resources associated um, with being so close to a large city and then um, you know a lot of interesting programs like at the time I was really interested in music mm-hmm. but then they also have uh, computer science and so those sort of things so yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great to hear. And it's it's cool that you knew that you wanted a smaller school. I feel like when I applied, I had no idea. So I applied to like a really wide range. Um, and in the end, it kind of was a waste because they wanted to go to kind of a mid-sized school. Um, but it's great that you you already knew that. I understand that you were able to experience a semester there, like on campus prior to the pandemic. And we'll definitely get into kind of the impact of the pandemic on your college experience. But I'm curious what that first semester was like for you and how that transition was like from, you know, leaving home and going to a new place and then, you know, just college more generally. Right. I mean, going so far away from home, of course, has got to be, you know, a little bit frightening, a little bit worrying. Like, what do I do now? I don't have the fallbacks that I usually have, but I can't like you know, go to my parents or go for these kind of like, oh, I'm hungry, like have a snack or anything. <laughs> anything that I'm familiar with. I'm like in this small 
town with like very few shops that I'm familiar with. Like there's nothing ingredients that I could buy or something like that. I would have traveled so far to Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really know the area. So those first few weeks were like, oh, did I really sign up for this? Wow. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But um, I think, you know, as time went on, um, it was really just a new experience after new experience. And it was really exciting in that way. And I'm, I'm really glad that I did it because um, I like experience being independent enough. So uh, it wasn't too jarring in that sense. But um, I think very quickly I found a community of uh, like-minded students who had like similar experiences being first gen and also coming from families of color and like that. But then also just finding peers in like academic circles like with similar major interests, um, which I think is so important in like college, that social experience. And I think it really took off from there. And it was just so exciting. Like, oh, I'm finally studying, living in my own space. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a huge transition. Um, I know, like, so for me, you know, I went to the University of Oregon. And Oregon is not that far from California. Like, you can get on a train or a plane or a car and, like, be fine. <laughs> and, like, you can go back and forth if you wanted. Um, how is it being geographically just so far away from home? Like, did you experience kind of a culture shock or just like a shift in culture? Like, what was that part like? I think, I think, yeah. Um, so back home, I was like in the mission districts of San Francisco, which is like, I think historically for a while, I've been mostly communities of Latinx origin or, or like Hispanic communities. So um, I was very used to like being surrounded by people like going to mass and, and like a lot of like small corner shops like that. Um, and then coming to like a smaller town like this and then where it's like predominantly white um, and, you know, the Latino population on campus is, is pretty small. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really meet many of them until a few uh, weeks into campus, I mean, into the semester. So that was a, a bit job for me. But then also there's the time difference, uh, yeah. the three hour time difference between San Francisco and uh, Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, uh, which was an adjustment. I think mm-hmm. um, trying to communicate with friends and family back home took a while and maybe sort of we tried to do it as much as possible in the beginning, but realistic, it sort of had to, you know, decrease a little bit. Things get busy. It's kind of just what happens. Yeah. What would you say was the best part about going away to college and the most challenging part so far? I know you're not graduated yet, but when you reflect, yeah, like what's the best and most challenging parts about going away to college? I think one of the most freeing things was having the opportunity away from home a little bit to explore academic interests and have that time just to figure out, you know, what classes am I interested in? Um, what's my major going to be? You know, what am I going to study? And what am I going to take a um, good portion of my life doing? I think I really found the time meeting with professors I liked on campus to really figure that out. And that, you know, was really freeing because for the longest you, you're with family, you're like, what are you going to do? You're going to college. What are you going to do? <laughs> um, and finally having that space, finally having that time here at college, like distance from home a little bit mm-hmm. was really, I think, important and great for me um, just to figure things out a little bit. And then I think similarly, just the distance is difficult. There's so many things you miss. There's so many things that you're used to being around people that you used to being around people, uh, things that you used to seeing, having to navigate an entirely new space, even if it is like, you know, a college, it's, it's still very different. Yeah, I hear you. I totally hear you. And there is a lot of pressure to like, 
um, I think on college students to decide what they want to major in so they can decide what career they want. And in, in the grand scheme of things, like, I think it's important to enjoy the journey part. That's like one thing that I wish that I had kind of embraced more when I was in school was just like, enjoy the journey. Like you're only going to experience this one time in your life, you know, but it's great to hear that you were able to explore and really figure out like what your interests were. And, and so you mentioned you're a computer science major and I know you're an art major as well, which is a really cool combination. (laughs) Um, And I'm, I'm curious, like what inspired you to pursue both of those areas of study? Yeah. Um, So I think for me, it started with art, just something that I like doing in my free time throughout high school, even like middle school, any kind of art project that came up. That's where I spend most of my time for homework or anything. And I always thought of like, you know, this would just be a hobby. This would just be something I do in my free time. And then coming to college and then meeting with my supervisors and like, no, this is something you can actually do. You know, this is something you can pursue. What? That's insane. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think it started there and I really want to continue doing it. And if I have like the time and the resources, I'm going to take advantage of that. And I want to really... Uh, have the opportunity to really take the time to practice those skills and really go deeper into the field. And then I think with computer science, I never had the opportunity or the chance to explore that in school or middle school um, before, but I was always curious. I was, you know, I started with, you know, video games or something like that. You mm-hmm. think, oh, I wonder, like, what's the process of making this? What's the process of, like, who who can do this? Um, and, you know, I wanted to be one of those persons who, who's not just, like, using the tools, not just using the games, but like, I want to be able to make this. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be able to know how this operates. And then finally in college, I got the chance to take a class. Um, and really just, I got more curious, wanted to keep taking more classes. And then more than that, I think it was, there's a really social aspect to, to computer science that I found and really enjoy. I think that's where I went most of my friends on campus. Um, it's just working on labs together and collaborating and, and finding creative solutions together. So. There's that really social aspect of computer science that I've enjoyed and, and flourished in. Thanks for sharing that. I I feel like every area of study has kind of like transferable elements or concepts to it. Like you can definitely apply things to, you know, different areas of study that you learn along the way. Do you feel like there are transferable parts of art that contribute to you as like a computer science student and vice versa? And like, what are those things? Mm-hmm. I think... For me, art might be more of a personal thing, something mm-hmm. that I work through on an individual level and then I have more control over for how I want to see it come through, whether that be like a project or whatever. But regardless, there is sort of a planning and a thinking that goes into it, whatever you do. And it's not just going into it, like with no thoughts in, in your mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of mindset, and that critical thinking transfers over to uh, computer science in a way because you have to plan out how are you going to structure your thing? There's like frameworks that you can follow, but there's always a certain element of injecting your personal um, solutions in computer science that I think uh, I'm supported um, by with, you know, my experiences and my personal takes. So I think there's sort of a, a creative aspect that for computer science that comes from art for me that I think is important. And then um, with computer science supporting art, I think just... Being able to um, push yourself and communicate with others effectively 
um, is another important aspect um, because you want to be able to communicate your feelings of what you're trying to uh, express and when you're working in a team in computer science, but then when, you, when you're working um, in art, you want to be able to express what you're trying to say in your artwork and things. Um, mm -hmm. And I think those two go hand in hand. There might be like different areas or, or something. You might not work in the same like career fields, but to me, they work so well for me. Yeah, that's really cool that you've been able to kind of connect the dots between the two and lean on um, both parts of your academic experience to fuel the other. I think that's really, really awesome. And that's like best case scenario. I feel like when you have two areas of interest, you know, when you're able to like connect the two in some way. So it's yeah. great that you've been able to do that. I think it also helped. I think one piece of advice that I got from an advisor once, my first year advisor was I was very unsure of what classes to take. And, and she asked, you know, she asked me like, what do you find yourself doing on the weekend? What do you see yourself doing when you have free time? What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, I just want to, you know, do my sketchbook or I want to follow this YouTube tutorial on how, like, how to code this thing. So mm -hmm. That's, I think that really helped me. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool that also that you're able to, again, like lean into your actual interests, you know, and not kind of like force yourself to study something you're not actually interested in. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's really awesome. It's so cool to see. So obviously, you know, the pandemic affected students all over the country and the world, and it felt like there was such an abrupt stop to quote unquote, like normal life. If you're comfortable, could you share what it was like for you when it became known that the school is going to, you know, be completely virtual or like move to a virtual setting? Um, it was very sudden. It was um, spring break when it happened, I think, um, freshman year, right around March. And all of a sudden, we were coming back from a trip um, with friends and we got back on campus and you get this email from administration saying, pack up your bag. Yeah, um, it's it's we're having to move to remote learning. Find a flight real quick. Pack as much as you can. You, it's uncertain what will keep you know your stuff be stored or anything like that. All of that happens so fast. Um, it's not even thinking about classes. Though, like, ah, oh, midterms are coming up. Like, what do I do? No, it's like, get your stuff, leave. We'll figure out the rest in a second. So there was just that long period of time of uncertainty for everything. Like, how are classes going to continue? we ever be back on campus that first those first few moments were really just very frightening and mm -hmm. very answered because you think oh i finally made it to college i finally got here and it ends it sort of just stops there and it's wow like looking back on it i, I don't think i processed it so much just because it was happening so fast but um it really was just such an uncertain time yeah yeah i feel like dealing with uncertainty in general is difficult for many people, but when it has to do with your health and your safety and having to exit, you know, a space that you're making your home, you know, it's, it's a challenge and yeah, being on the East coast and like trying to figure out what you're going to do. I'm sure that was, that was scary. It sounds really scary. I mean, cause you're so, you've gotten so comfortable in a space. You've gotten so used to a new routine and a lot of the resources and securities that come with college, you know, um, you always know where to get food and how to get that easily. You have our reliable Wi-Fi all the time. Um, most of the time. There's sometimes that <laughs> <is> just, um, <laughs> that's just the school. Mm -hmm. um, but really um, access to so many cool computers and, you know, I spend a lot of time in the media center 
with those tools like the drone tablets, which are really cool. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but then all of all of those resources and securities are, you know, like gone. Mm -hmm. so yeah. Very frightening that way too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the pandemic really highlighted a lot of areas in society, I feel like, that need improving, to say the least. Um, and in your annual giving letter, you say, quote, the pandemic magnified everything, especially the inequities for first-gen and low-income students. This included the loss of access to many campus resources and securities like food, reliable Wi-Fi, medical care, and much more, which you mentioned. You know, this is unfortunately something that was experienced by a lot of students. It was their reality for a long time too. It wasn't just like a few months in that transition when folks were trying to figure out what was happening. It was kind of an ongoing thing for the whole, the rest of the year, I would imagine. Were there any resources that you were able to identify that were helpful during that really uncertain time, whether it be from the school or in the community or SRA or whatever? Right. So, of course, I leaned, I think, on other students who were going through the same thing, you know, friends who were suddenly, um, oh, I had to fly back. And mm -hmm. what am I going to do with, like, Wi-Fi and things, you know, I'm leaning on them and sort of um, working together to express concerns to administration and campus. So it's a collective voice that we can use and, and express our, our concerns. Um, and then there are, I think, organizations on campus that were supportive. There's a Fly, so first-generation low-income group on campus that supports us and was sort of reassuring and um, guiding through the process. And then, of course, I think I, I talked with my advisor from SRA um, throughout the time. Amy, she, she was great and sort of checked in often just to see what the situation was because then, you know, very soon, like, my dad was laid off from work. Some mm -hmm. of them and checking in about that. Um, you know, is, is food all good? Is you know, parents' jobs all good. Like, how are you doing with, like, your family? Because, you know, we've had that relationship. And so that's someone I can lean on real quick. Yeah. Yeah, the people element, I feel like, was really valuable. And being able to express, you know, your concerns and your worries openly, I feel like it's it's a small portion of, you know, support that, that goes a long way. But that's great to hear that you had some support systems in place. Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, not everything, you know, has like a sunny side and some things are just like not meant to be made positive. But in reflection, do you feel like there were any like important lessons learned, you know, in general or about yourself that came from the pandemic and during that that time? I think we, we've all learned that the unexpected can happen. And as much as we can prepare, there will be challenges that we just uh, don't know how to face. But I think those early moments are crucial and how we react. And in those early moments, we see who can we reach out to and who are we supported by. So like you mentioned, that people aspect is really important because in those few moments, you feel isolated and you feel alone and you feel panicked and everything. But just having someone or a group of people that you know are there for you um, is so, so valuable. And I think especially for me, that was incredibly valuable. So as much as possible, we try to be proactive and prepare for as many things as possible. But Sometimes our reaction is equally as important, just in those moments of the unexpected happening. How are we going to move forward and how are we going to respond um, just to find our way out as soon as possible? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So now I think you're back on campus, right? Yeah, right now um, came back first semester back on campus in the fall. 
in September, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mandate, how has in Philadelphia? Yeah. How has that been being back on campus? Um, I think after a year of just <laughs> being indoors, really, I think I went out maybe three or four times <laughs> the entire pandemic. Right. Um, having you know the chance to be back on campus is just so exciting, so relieving and wonderful. Um, it is sort of a new learning experience. It's not the same as it was. There's, of course, regulations, um, mask mandates, and sort of different curfews, things to get used to. And then there's also a lot of people that you knew may have graduated. Um, in my case, that's that's true for me. Um, there's sort of a relearning of how to operate on campus again, I think, mm-hmm. just because, I mean, we only got a semester. So yeah, um, we didn't get to explore everything that the college offered. And so there's that whole... Uh, you know, it feels like a freshman again, but mm-hmm. um, in a great way, but also kind of, wow. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. When you think about like, you know, exploring campus again and being reintroduced to everything, is there anything that's like top of your list that you really want to do with the rest of your time on campus or anything you really want to check out that's like at the top of your list? <laughs> um. There's more things that I want to do to take advantage of being so close to a city. Mm-hmm. I had to go to Philadelphia maybe three times before. So there's really so many art museums in Philly that I want to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like obviously the Kimmy, famous Rocky steps and everything. And then a lot of other things that I want to leverage. Like there's a uh, cool like hackathons that are coming up that the department is pushing for the computer science department. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on campus, I really just want to take time to like build relationships with professors. Um, we had a little bit of that over Zoom, I guess. But <laughs> it's no substitute for the real thing. I really mm-hmm. uh, want to take the time to build that because that's something that we sort of lost and um, didn't get a chance to build over the pandemic. Um, and then I think, you know, socializing a little bit more, that social aspect is so important going mm-hmm. to college. And that, again, was lost a little bit over the pandemic. Yeah, that sounds like a really great plan. Um, do you feel like your perspective has changed because you experienced kind of that abrupt pause um, to your campus life? Like perspective in what sense? Just like your approach to school or taking advantage of experiences or things like that. Like, do you think that's changed or do you think you've always like wanted to do these things? Um, I think I've Mostly always, always, you know, wanted to do the things that I mentioned, but then I think there's sort of uh, a greater appreciation for what are the things that I can do with the time that I have um, on campus and sort of taking into account, like, there's so much that I won't be able to do, but with what I can do, um, it's still incredibly valuable. It's still um, really impactful for me, I think will be for all the future things that I do. So I think there's just that greater appreciation having that like pause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also saw that you participated in SRA's Codiversity program, a few and a few um, internships you learned through um, SRA, which is really awesome to hear. Could you share a bit about your experience in the Codiversity program? Mm-hmm. So that was the first summer after freshman year so right when the pandemic began Mm -hmm. um i was sort of at a loss for internships um during that whole thing i think i wasn't so much concerned with summer plans as much as i was with my current plans Mm -hmm. um with how to deal in the spring um so 
having that connection over the summer and not being left uh, with nothing to do was really valuable. And the work that we did in the Codiversity program, it was still very early, I think. Um, the program was getting up. But regardless, the work that we did there, like, set me up with and familiarized myself with um, tools and, you know, resources to look into and explore in my free time um, with, like, web development and other, like, Python was, like, a, an essential coding language um, that we learned about. Um, and that set me up for the next summer, which was a related internship in web development tools and things with um, CodePath and Workday. That internship, uh, I was... It was an uh, email that I got from my advisor, um, and, you know, I have with the experience from the university, I wasn't going in completely blind. It was still a lot of new material things and very challenging at the beginning as well. But at least, you know, I wasn't, where do I even look? Where do I even start? I had some foundation there that was helpful, um, and I really enjoyed it last summer. And, yeah, I think I just heard back from them, like, yeah. if you want to come back this summer. So that's very exciting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Congratulations. That's super exciting. That's really awesome. For students who are interested in Codeversity, but aren't sure if they want to pursue it, what would you tell them? I think it's definitely worth your time. It's it's something that you can go at your own pace. And at least, I'm not sure who's staffing it now, but at least some of the staff from before will be there. And they were, they were really nice and helpful to me. And just... I think so many people are just curious um, about the fundamentals of coding. Um, and this is like a great um, little entryway and to like scratch that itch um, mm-hmm. and get introduced. Yeah, you don't have to like be a computer science major or plan to be to do the program. Exactly. Um, yeah. When you reflect about your experiences um, with your internship, what do you think was like the most valuable part of, of those internship experiences for you? I think one of the more important things I, given like my experiences growing up, I was very used to working on my own and being um, isolated in my work and knowing how I want to do things. But a big part of working at a company or working with um, at whatever organization is communication and teamwork and being able to collaborate with others and communicate um, what you're doing and being able to understand what other people are doing as well. So getting um, exposure to that and practice with that was really valuable um, from an internship. Um, I think especially with coding, you have to build things together and not, you know, bump into each other's uh, toes and sort of, you know, not cancel out what each person is doing. So Mm -hmm. um, that was a very valuable school, I think, that I learned. And then, you know, some other practical things, because so much of going into tech feels very like hyper-specific, like, do I know these technologies? Do I need to know these frameworks, these specific languages that are popping up? Which ones are the most popular right now? And obviously, a lot of that is always changing. You never have a definitive answer, but demystifying that a lot was really important for me, getting familiar with the language, because we worked with professionals from a company, and I had a mentor from a company during this past summer. So having the opportunity to talk with them and, you know, answer specific questions regarding like, oh, how does, you know, you, how do you run a data center and how does that affect your company? Like which languages are you using? Which ones do you think are transferable? All those questions um, I had an opportunity to ask and, and learn about. So it's not just this abstract idea of like, oh, the tech industry, how's that? Like, oh, frightening. <laughs> um, but, you know, finally 
going into it and beyond like YouTube was <laughs> mm-hmm. really, really valuable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you feel like there were any classes that you took that were particularly helpful in like preparing you for your internships? I think so. I took uh, at that point I had taken three computer science courses. I didn't use any of the languages that I learned in class. They were completely different. Um, but regardless, there are some fundamental like computer science ideas that you learn in class, like that do transfer over, obviously. And being able to um, come up with solutions to certain coding problems does come up from what you learn in class. So in that way, it did just having the mindset and the critical thinking obviously transfer over um, more than anything. Yeah, yeah, that makes complete sense. If you know you were advising another student, like a peer or a younger student, do you have any advice for them when they are applying for internships? I think um, do better than me and apply earlier. Um, that's <laughs> something that I wish I had done a little bit. But that, that's a big thing, just because in that way you have better time to prepare for everything that comes up. It's not so back to back, like with interviews and other supplemental things. Like I think for computer science, there's often times supplement to work that you might have to submit that uh, an internship asked for. So giving yourself the space to prepare for that is really good. I think it's also important to know what you know, see where you stand, what classes are you taking, what do you feel comfortable with. But even then, if you feel intimidated by a certain position that says, oh, you know, like Python expert preferred or something like that, apply anyway. It really, I think, so much of what you will be doing is will be learned like on on the job and on, during the internship and more often than not i believe that uh, a lot of places that you apply to will be receptive to um, new hires and new interns and teaching them what it's like and getting acclimated so like i struggled with that a lot just because i never done computer science before like what can i apply for nothing getting over that a little bit and pushing yourself to submit your application anyway because more often than not it's about who you are as a person not just what you can build because it's always important but like how you as a programmer how you as a person can contribute to this group is really important yeah that's great advice that's great things to remember and yeah like what's the worst that can happen if you apply you know like yeah. if they say no then it's a no and you're back where you were you know anyway so you might as well just give it a go so I love that attitude. I know you're early in your career, but at this point, where do you see kind of your career going or what do you think would be like a dream job of yours at this point in your life? Oh, that's very interesting. Just because <laughs> it could go so many different ways. Yeah. Um, we've talked about this so much, like throughout today, like how, do, how your journey is, could go very straight. It could be a very winding path. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the moment, I want to continue going to like the tech world and seeing that and software development, I think is really interesting for me at the moment. I'm also, I really want to dive deeper into the world of visual effects. Mm. Um, and I think that's such a cool intersection between um, programming and art. Yeah. Um, they might not be, you know, one-to-one, but it's so interesting to me and being, having a hand in creating so many um, amazing things that bring such joy to people would be, such a dream come true. So I want to look into that and I want to explore that a little bit. So that might be a little ahead of what I am right now, but we'll see. 
we don't know oh yeah it's always good to like have something in mind I think you know and just go for it and explore it as much as you want to so it's great I think you'd be great (laughs) I'm excited to see what happens and where your path takes you thank you yeah you mentioned um in your previous in a previous answer about a mentor that you had I think in relation to your internship or something um or coversey or one of those can you speak to like what you feel like makes for a good mentor mentee relationship yeah I think uh it was a mentor from the internship that I had this summer with CodePath and Workday Mm -hmm. um they they're employed at Workday and I think for us there were like set guidelines I think something that the mentor had to ask and something that were expected of me as a mentee um I think guidelines are important just so you have a foundation what what expectations are but beyond that I think entering a sort of a relationship where it's conversation is fruitful and you're not afraid to ask certain questions there's no feeling like oh is this a dumb question mm-hmm. um those anxieties should be relieved I think and I'm grateful that I had um, that sort of relationship like just the openness and comfort to ask any sort of um, question that pops up um, is really important. And then I think just an understanding of like, you know, your mentor knows so much, but they don't know everything. And they oftentimes might be learning as much as you are in the moment, I think is good for uh, mentees to know. But regardless, um, I think I'm very grateful. My mentor was like, oh, let's just, let's look this up together. Let's, let's read this up. Um, and having someone just who knows like where to look and knows how to look is really important. And once you, you, you learn from them in that way, like, oh, I'm, I don't know the answer, but I know where to look. I know how to do it. So that's really important, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What do you think was like, if you, if you can reflect, like what was one thing that you feel like was most valuable in that mentor-mentee relationship, aside from like the openness and things, like is there one thing that you reflect on that you feel like stands out as far as like your experience with them? Yes. I think for one of the initial things, I think at some point I asked, you know, what is your experience? Do you know like what it's like for others or people like who've never worked before, who never got like the first in their family to go to college? Mm-hmm. Um, and having that sort of conversation early on uh, is when I initiated the conversation. And I think was um, important for me just to get their insight into, you know, do you know the people like me, how they navigated the field? I'm not, you know, alone in doing this. There are other people who have gone through this before. Um, what can I learn from them um, and sort of do what they did to succeed? I think was a really valuable conversation to have for me. Yeah, good for you for asking those questions and uh, yeah, and gathering that information. I think that's really, really awesome and admirable. Good for you. Um, so you are a rising star student and, you know, you mentioned your SRA advisor. If you're comfortable, can you share kind of more about your experience with your advisor? Yes. So <laughs> my advisor, Amy, best advisor there is, just, I think, so patient with me because beyond like the, the sort of things that uh, go on in my family, my things, super understanding, mm-hmm. um, reaching out like, I've never ever felt judged. Like when I don't do things and turn things in on time um, <laughs> for like college apps or mm-hmm. never felt judged. Like 
if I am running late on a deadline or things like that. Um, that has been, I think, so amazing to me, just meeting someone so patient and so supportive um, has been incredible. And I think I've never felt like I couldn't reach out for something. You know, there's always like that guilty feeling like, ah, I am over by like a week. <laughs> what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, I think it's so late. There's nothing I can do. But no, even then, Amy reaches out. She's like, just come on. You can do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, such an amazing person. Yeah. Can you recall like a favorite memory you have with your advisor thus far? <laughs> um, it was like New Year's Eve. We were talking. This was senior year of high school. And it was, mm-hmm. it was like, do you have that Swarthmore application in yet? <laughs> um, and, oh, my God. Um, what a time. What a time. Um, I think, how, yeah, it was, such, it was stressful, but at the same time, I re- relieving to have someone there by myself. And then um, once all that was over, I remember we had um, like Christmas celebrations. I think that was like before that thing. With Amy, like Amy invited us to her home and with my other cohort of rising stars. And, you know, we had like the cookie decorating and other things like that. Um, so she opened up that space. Really nice. mm-hmm. yeah. Sounds fun. I don't know about the application part, but the cookie decorating <laughs> sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great to hear. Yeah, Amy is really awesome. I feel lucky that I get to work with her on occasion too. And you're also an SRA ambassador and, you know, are representing your cohort of students in the greater SRA community through through this, which we're really excited about. And of course, super thankful to have your voice. Do you mind me asking you, like, why you chose to participate as an ambassador for SRA? Yeah, I think I've had, I've gotten so much from the program and from the people that I met and knowing that I can sort of support other students like me, I can support students from my cohort in my group um, by being an ambassador and knowing that I can, you know, affect other students who might be thinking of like joining SRA was something that I had in mind and, and really wanted to be a part of. Um, I think that was important to me. I'm just having any sort of way of giving back. I think mm-hmm. was important to me. Yeah, that's, that's really nice to hear. And, you know, as like a staff member, I know I don't work with students as often anymore, but I feel like all staff really benefits from building relationships with you and all the other students. Like there's so much that we learn too from you all. So it's definitely not a one-way thing. Like we're super lucky to have you and all the other students too. And it's always like a pleasure to connect with students. So yeah, feeling is mutual. I want to ask you too, like what would you say the SRA community means to you? Uh, um, it's such, it's such like, I think a warm Right, uh, feeling just from the people that I've met, things that I have to do. I think, you know, there's there's times that you can bond over like, oh, we have to go to a workshop. Um, <laughs> not that like we have to. They're very well planned uh, and very well made. Um, but there's there's like all those different ways of, of having, like, you know, relatable experiences with others in the group. Um, there's so many opportunities to do things like that. I got to visit Swarthmore College because of connection through SRA. Like, an SRA alum who was at uh, UPenn let me stay there when I was thinking of visiting here. So it's it's a valuable network. It's a valuable community of, I think, welcoming people that I am so grateful that I've gotten to know and be a part of and you know, uh, hopefully support others um, through. Thank you for sharing. 
And what would you say your greatest hope for SRA is? So it could be SRA, the organization, or it could be other students. Like, what is your greatest hope for SRA? I think there are so many students out there who are in a situation where they've had to take on so much on their own, whether that's family things or other difficult circumstances. And it's such like, it can feel so isolating at times, right? The pressure, like even with your own family, you have people you can talk to, but you never feel there's someone who gets it, who mm -hmm. um, knows what you're feeling. So I think there's a large community of students like that. And I hope that they find SRA, obviously, but also other places like those where they can feel supported and feel um, seen, heard. Um, and then for all the students at SRA, I think I hope they they've found that in the group and the time to like sort of unload a bit because mm -hmm. it can be just so heavy, just so heavy taking that all on your own. And I'm I'm really hopeful that they've had the opportunity to unload a bit with whether that be their advisor or other people they've met in the program. Um, and I hope SRA can keep, you know, holding that space and setting up that space for um, future students. Yeah, that's a that's a really great hope. Thanks for sharing. So every episode we close with some questions. So the first closing question is what's the best advice you've received? Um God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in terms of school, I think I mentioned it earlier. It was just, what do you like to do in your free time? How do you see yourself spending time when you're bored? What is the first thing you want to do? And then, you know, finding a way to feel happy about that and finding a hobby in that. And maybe that could lead to something like your major as you did for me. But sometimes it's just not feeling guilty about that. You know, mm -hmm. not feeling guilty like you're wasting time. Like you always have to be in a hustle. Like you're, um, you're like, oh, if I'm not working 24-7, then I'm doing something wrong. I'm like falling behind. I think mm -hmm. there's like that pressure that's always on students. So, you know, holding that space for yourself to just find time for yourself. Enjoy doing what you're doing. You know, don't let the other pressures um, get you down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really great advice. Yeah, I love the holding space to explore yourself, right? And like what you actually enjoy. And maybe you can, you know, find a major that aligns with those things or a career even so that's great advice yeah. yeah and then the second closing question I have for you is what's the best advice you could give your high school self that uh just getting so bogged down and and doing too much I think focus on a few things focus on a few things that matter to you and work your best on like improving yourself in those areas because spraying yourself too thin is is not something that worked out for me as much as I wanted to, as much as I want to be in every corner, as much as I wanted to say yes to everything. I think it's important to find really a few things that are really important, really fun um, and gratifying, because at some point you got to say no to things and uh, it'll just help your sanity and uh, time management so much. So, yeah. yeah. Saying no is so hard, even for me today. Like, it is the hardest thing, but it's such an important part of setting boundaries for yourself, right? So that's great advice. Thank you for sharing that. So that is all my questions, but I want to thank you so much for chatting with me and all the great things that you've shared. I really, really appreciate it. And again, like I mentioned, I'm really looking forward to seeing all the great things that you do in the next few years and beyond. Thank you for having me. It was really nice.
If Robert's story inspired you or you feel motivated by our work at SRA, please consider giving at www.studentsrisingabove.org. Thank you all for listening to season two of How I Made My Path, as well as this bonus episode. We're going to take a little break, but we are super excited to share season three with you all. So stay tuned. The How I Made My Path podcast is a program of Students Rising Above, a nonprofit organization working at the intersections of racial equity, education, and workforce development to create transformative change for low-income first-generation students. This podcast and all the services provided by SRA would not be possible without the generous support of our donors. Please consider making a donation to support our work by visiting studentsrisingabove.org, where you can also learn more about SRA. For more information on our podcast, check out at mypathpodcast on Instagram. Music created by SRA alum Alex Arango. And that's it for today. I'm Caitlin Endo. See you next time.